You're listening to a session of Come Celebrate, hosted by the Bay Christian Family Church. Praise God as you see it open your Bible in Isaiah chapter 61. Over the last two nights, I've been spending time here in Isaiah, and it's to lay a foundation. So I'm just going to very quickly recap it. And so obviously there's things that I have mentioned that uh, I need to just bypass for time's sake because I want to get to tonight's assignment. And we saw from Isaiah chapter 61, this is the portion of Scripture that Jesus read from when He came back after His temptation in the wilderness, came forth in great power. And then He got up to read and He got down to where it says that He came to establish the year of Jubilee, uh, the year of debt freedom. The year of restoration. It's interesting when God says year, He doesn't mean 365 days. Because if He stopped there, it's still the year. (laughs) But then He went on, and notice the next word is and. You come down to verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and. And so He said, why would you stop at and? And we learned, we read on, we saw that He's actually talking to the church in the subsequent scriptures. And so that we see here, he talks about to console those who mourn in Zion. Come down to verse 4. Well, let's read verse 3 at the end. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So when we talk about righteousness, we recognize you're talking about the church. Because the, uh, the old saint believers, the, 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 the old Testament believers were not able to be born again. So they could not be righteous in their spirit. You and I have been made the righteousness of God. Not by act, but by Jesus giving us His righteousness. He who knew no sin was made to be sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. And so verse 4 They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. And we've said there's no cities in heaven that need to be repaired. The cities in heaven are phenomenal. The word tells us that the streets are made of gold. We need to renew our mind about our God. And people say, oh, that's a little over the top. Using gold as street material. Come on now. You get a hold of who your God is. Amen. It's interesting that when God created Adam, He took him to go and show all of His creation. And He took him to a place where it says the gold was good. The gold was good. Adam, he's there on his own. So where's this gold? Because, you know, if you look at today, you've got to go dig a hole really deep to find gold. Yeah, the gold is lying all over the place on top. So what happened? Well, there was a flood. And with the flood, everything got mixed up and stirred up and all that gold was put underground. So now man goes and digs a hole to get the gold out to put it into another hole to 
to keep it away from you. The point I'm making is the gold lay on top of the earth. So God created earth in the image of heaven. Come on now. I said last night, if you create a fish, where would you, what else would you create to make sure it lived? Water. You don't say, well, tough it out on the earth. Let's see how you survive. No, you, you put it in water. So when God creates man in his image, he has to put him in the same environment that he's living in. So the Eden, the Garden of Eden, looked like heaven. God copied what was in heaven and put it into Eden. You getting this? And so God has established that we should be restoring this. God's original plan has not changed. The original plan has not changed. God doesn't do something and say, oh, what was I thinking? Now I have to change my plans. No, the plan has changed. The plan has not changed. The enemy came in to try and steal it. But God is reestablishing it. And I really believe with all my heart that if we get this revelation and we come to a knowledge of it and God can find a people that are prepared to do this and walk in the full power that Adam walked in, we can establish an earth that by the time you go to heaven, how many of you really excited about getting to heaven? I'm, I am too. But yes, my, this is my conviction is that, yes, I want to see it. I want to see what a street of gold looks like. And it's going to be beautiful and everything works. But I really believe, let's say I'm transitioning now. This is the moment, okay? And all of a sudden, this body says, that's it, time out, whatever, how it happens, whatever, boom, it falls over. And I step out and I'm so excited because now I get to see, yeah, wow, that's an angel. That's what they look like. Wow. And then I meet my master and I, and I step into heaven. I really believe it's going to be like, oh, this looks like home. Are you getting this? Family, you, it's going to be a place. It's not some, you know, it's not like clouds and babies with hops, you know, and, and it's a place. It has fields, it has trees, it has roads, it has, it's, a, it's a functional city. And like I said, yeah, I want to see the beauty of that glory that's uncorrupted. Now that, that's going to be awesome. But I don't think it's going to be a huge shock that we all think it's going to be. Why? Because we already understand the kingdom. Jesus said, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Right here on earth the way it functions in heaven. We should be functioning at Garden of Eden level. Not a fallen corruption level. So yeah, we see that we have been given a responsibility to repair ruined cities. It's not the government's responsibility. The desolations of many generations. That's the problem. The enemy works through generations and the more he can whittle you down and drive you down and cast you down and destroy you and cause you to feel less than a human. See, when God told Adam to take dominion, it's over creation, not people. And the only way a man can dominate another man is to make that man inhuman. You 
strip him of his humanity and make him feel like an animal. Or in your mind, not your mind, the person that's trying to dominate man has to see that, that person as an animal. That's the only way they can dominate. That's the evil of it. You see that. But praise God, Jesus came to redeem us from that and get back your humanity, get back your identity. Know that you're not even just a human. Oh, I'm just human. No, you are a son of God, a king of God, with God, as he is the king of kings. You're created in the God image. Bible says you're offspring of God. You're the offspring of God. Come on now. But I said, yeah, look, yeah, my son just walked in through the door. What do you expect to see when you look up? A little puppy running through? Dogs have? What do dogs have? People don't know. Let me help you. Write it down. Dogs have dogs. It's amazing what you learn in church. What would cats have? I love fast students. Praise God. Birds would have? So when God has offspring, he's going to have offspring in his image. Now you understand, there's one supreme, almighty, sovereign God. We will never be that person. There is only one. But you are his son. You are his son. You're his offspring. Say, I am the offspring of God. And so no matter what has happened in your family tree, the generations of being oppressed, of being stolen from, of being rejected, of being mocked and ridiculed and made to feel inferior, it is your privilege and responsibility in this generation to reap back the entire harvest of all those years. Look at Isaiah chapter 58. Come down to verse 12. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You'll raise up the foundations of many generations. And you will be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of streets to dwell in. Notice, raise up foundations of many generations. God has a way of hearing the blood crying out from the earth. It's what got his attention over Cain killing Abel. What got his attention when the children of Israel were in captivity crying out. God refused to leave them there. And when he delivered them, there was 400 years of back pay. And in one day, they received it all. Am you ready for some suddenlies? Isaiah 51, verse 1. Listen to me, you who follow after me, right after righteousness. You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. Now, why is he saying look to Abraham? He says, for I called him alone, I blessed him, and I increased him. Now the Lord will comfort Zion. He'll comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden. That's the church. Her desert like the garden of the Lord. 
joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. You know, sometimes when we're praying and we're ministering in the Spirit, suddenly a, a, a floods of joy will begin to flow. And you hear people laughing. And I, it always intrigues me how people look like. like someone's laughing in church. Well, that's so weird. Why would that be weird? I always like to help someone like that. People are shocked like, is it necessary to laugh like that? Well, let me help you. It's just a simple formula. You can write it down if you want to. Devil, bad, sad. God, good, glad. It's really that simple. Amen. And so when someone has been in a destructive place and God redeems them over an instant, their lives are turned around. Just let them have a time of joy. Because the Bible says the joy unspeakable. You can't explain it. Notice he says, yeah, that there will be joy and gladness found. Where? In this garden. Where? It's, the, it's Eden. Where? In Zion. That's the church. Family of God, you, everywhere you go, everywhere you put your feet, you are creating Eden. There's no lack in Eden. No lack whatsoever. When God finished Eden, He put His man in it, and He said, now, this is yours. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, but we just have to wait six months because I haven't quite finished that northeastern corner yet. We're waiting on the bank and I have to mortgage the throne room just to. It was fully finished. Fully finished. Everywhere man went, he had his full provision. You ready for that? Now, key I want to bring out here. God points out when they were in trouble. Remember the rock I took you out from. You come from the lineage of Abraham. And if you understand that, you would know you should not be putting up with this waste place, with this desert, with this struggling. It amazes me that somehow Jewish people get this. Seems like the church, Christians, are the only people on the earth that you have to convince they should be rich. The rest of the world wants it, even unsaved people. They don't mind getting millions and putting in the bank billions. And they'll never spend the money in their lifetime, but they want more. And they're okay with it. You can call them names and they, <laughs> yeah, really. Jewish people, I mean, by the time they're 12 already, you know, they're getting together with uncles and everybody setting them up for business and saying it's time to prosper. You need to go out and be a businessman. You're going to make it. You're, you're expected. Why? Because they know the rock they were hewn from. It's there, written in their word. Look at Abraham. This is what you should be doing. And yet the church says, well, praise God, hallelujah. At least I have a mansion in the sky. And I've said it two nights in a row. I'm going to say it again. 
Family of God, we've got to get out of this escapist mentality. Let me get off this planet as soon as possible. Why? The only reason we want to go is because we don't understand our rights as children of Abraham that have come out of that. And yes, Jesus, I'm going to get to it now, but Jesus paid the price to get this back. And if you understand this and walk in it, you want to see this happen. I want to see it happening in my lifetime. Brother David was talking this morning about, you know, conquering a mountain. You don't go halfway up but, and say, well, okay, at least I got halfway. No, you have a target in mind. When I stand in front of Jesus, I don't want him to look at me like, oh, you hear. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm not leaving this planet until I'm done with my assignment. And if I see something's not done yet, I'm going to finish it. I want everything. If it costs Jesus his blood, I want it. And you say amen. amen. Now I'm going to work with this word rock and Abraham. Come and have a look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 4. We come to Jesus as to a living stone. How many you know Jesus is the rock? He is the rock. We also understand that building your house by hearing the word and doing it is also founded on the rock. That rock is the word. Jesus is the word. Now it's talking about that he is a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Listen to this. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. What's a cornerstone? A cornerstone is a rock that has been shaped that becomes the point of reference as you build a house the cornerstone that is is the one that's in the right place for the rest of the house and they will line everything up on that stone that's the cornerstone Jesus is the chief cornerstone his life is established this is right this is in the right place the way he operated is correct the way he walked in this earth is the way the kingdom works now everything you do as stones being added to the house you line yourself up with a cornerstone and then you become part of the same house but if you're off the cornerstone now you're out of place so you come in line with kingdom principles that Jesus established now you can operate in the kingdom at the same level he operated remember last night the earth only responds to a son of God So now he is the chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, okay, everyone who believes, put your hand up. Bump your name and say, look at that. There you are again in the book. Tell your neighbor, you'll be amazed how often I show up in this book. Why? It's your mirror. Isn't that right? All right. So now say, this is me. This is me. 
to you who believe. I'll carry on. Yeah, thank you. Bless you. You who believe, he is precious. Now listen to this. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now listen. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. Wow. The rock that is your cornerstone, that if you believe and line yourself up with him, you become part of that household and achieve everything he can achieve in the kingdom. And yet the same rock, when rejected, becomes a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. And this will help you understand why when I speak a message like I'm talking about today, where, you know, everybody, you get two people that walk out, hallelujah, that was an awesome word. Praise God, I got it, hallelujah. Someone walks up, I just don't know, that church and that pastor and that, 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 that people and who does he think he is? And, uh, how's that possible? How's that possible? You both heard the same words. Why? Because someone said, I want this. I believe. And the problem why someone has an offense has a problem because they come up against the cornerstone, but it's so different to their belief system, so different to what they think that it becomes an offense rather than saying, if I'm so different, let me be shaped. This is the right stone. This is correct. Shape me to fit with the cornerstone. And to be shaped to fit the cornerstone, you're going to have to lose some edges. You're going to have some chipping taking place. And that's not always comfortable. And for some people, it's easier to get offended than accept the discomfort. And I said it the first night. If you have a problem with what I'm saying, don't run out the door and slam it. Sit down, finish, and then come to me and show me scriptures where I missed it. I'm a student. I'm willing to change and learn. But I want scripture. Two, three witnesses. Okay, I don't agree. Oh, what? Yeah, but I don't think. And I think, no, show me word. But if I've spoken scripture and you've only seen word, and you can't say yes, but, no, yes, but. Are you Christian? Yes. You believe the Bible? Yes. What I said, is it in the Word? Yes. You're obligated to change. That's the choice we have to make. If we want to live at this kind of level, we have to receive that. Say amen. Verse 9. But you. Okay, you didn't get that? Remember verse 8. A stone, a stumbling, a rock of offense for those who are disobedient. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. In other words, they can receive it. But you. I said, but you. Are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Royal Pastor Wellington taught you, you are? Tell us that. King Alan. 
Oh, you can use my name if you want to. I receive it. But use your name. You are a holy nation. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God chose you. He picked you out of the crowd and he transformed you. Without a people, without a generation, without a God. But now he is your God. And you now are royalty. I am amazed at your ability to stay so calm. I have to stay. uh, If I go running, who's going to preach? But you don't have that limitation. I said you are royalty. (laughs) Now, let's work with that. The rock you came from. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Why? Why was Jesus crucified? To save our sins. That's true. Why? Why did he want to get sin out of your life? That, isn't that the reason that what the blessing of Abraham don't forget the rock from which you hewn that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus see not all of us are born Jewish a Gentile is someone without covenant but once you receive Jesus your old man dies And then you are born into the family of God. And you become the true Jew. Come on now. That you might become, that that, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles where? In Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Underline that statement. I want to investigate it. We're going to have a look at it in a moment. The Spirit, that we receive the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. Notice it says that Christ became a curse for us. Last night I rounded off because I wanted to, this to be what I'm going to work with this morning, uh, tonight. Is that, remember when Adam was created in the Garden of Eden, his first awakening is his in relationship with God. God gives him his assignment. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. And then he gives him his provision. Now you have seed for everything you need. When the curse came in, when Adam changed systems, he rejected God, took on darkness. And when God confronted him on it, he said to him, now you've got to understand what you've done. You've stepped into the cursed side. Now the earth's going to fight you. 
Now you no longer have relationship. And so now you're going to be driven by need. And I asked the question, how many of you are desperate to get back to work on Monday? And very few people put their hands up. You can't wait for the alarm on Monday morning. And the problem is because we haven't been in our assignment. Because when you're in your assignment, there's not enough hours in the day. You wake up with mission in mind. You wake up saying there's things to be done and it's almost time for the sun to go down. And I've got to get going as soon as possible. Because you're assignment minded. You don't care what needs to be done. You don't care what it's going to cost because you understand your assignment. And the only way to redeem that is to recognize as long as need drives you. It's like, you know, I've got to get up at, at, at 8.30. Uh, well, get up even early, like 6 o'clock and get ready, get the kids to school and jump in the car and, and, and race and get through traffic and, and hitting, hitting the horn and, and, you know, and, 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 and tooting. And, and I, I don't want to use the word hooting because we've got Americans in our smiths. But in South Africa, hoot means means hit the horn, and so we, you know, and then we, we get to work, and by then people are already angry and fighting, and they work, and they're working with people they don't like, and they're going to have meetings, and they're going to go here, and they're going to work late, and, and then go home through the traffic, and sit down, and, and kick the cat, and fight with the wife, and eat some food, and go to bed, and wake up the next day, and go and do it, and that's Monday to Friday, and so that you can sit down on Saturday, and kind of think, oh, now I've got just two days to rest, and you start again on Sunday, and off you go again. Why, 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 what are you doing? What's in your heart? What's God put in your dreams? What, what are you dreaming? What is it that God has asked you to do? What's he calling you to do? I don't have time to do that. I've got to feed the kids. You see, it's become provision driven. If you choose a job, I'm not going to use the word you because it's any one of us. If any one of us choose a job because of the salary is better over there, you've missed it. People come to me, hallelujah, God's blessed me. I'm going to another, uh, you know, we're moving. We love the church, but we're just going to let you know. We want to be pray for us, bless us. We're going to this other city. Why are you going? Oh, we got double the salary, blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? And which church are you going to? I don't know. We'll see when we get there. <laughs> Wrong answer. God is a shepherd. A shepherd doesn't open the, the, the gate and say, go see if you can find another shepherd somewhere. Look at the grass there. It's much nicer. Maybe if you get there, you'll find a shepherd. No. He's very specifically minded. Where does God want you to be? Because there's one place that it pleases God to set you in the body. He knows who your pastor should be. He knows who's going to give you the faith you need. He knows who's going to feed you. And you're going to hear it. And you're going to come and sit and listen to it. Because you need to hear the word God has for you. And I don't care what it is. I need to be there first. And I need to hear from God. Restore my relationship with Him. Because when you have your relationship restored with Him. Then you move into a place where you can hear what your assignment is. And when you make a decision for the assignment, you won't even have to think about provision. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will come in. Amen. 
See, family of God, the only reason poverty exists is because this concept has been ignored. It's breaking the principles of God. So if Jesus became the curse, you and I do not have to suffer the curse. Let me say it again. If Jesus became the curse, we don't have to suffer the curse. Come have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. How many of you believe Jesus died for you? He gave his life and he became sin that you might be made the righteousness of God. That if you receive Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you are born again. Spiritually born again. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that he bore your sickness on the cross? He was made to be sick so that by his stripes you may be healed. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he was made a curse so that you could be blessed? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might also be poor. And one day when you get... Is that what it says? That you through his poverty might become rich. Yeah, but Pastor Alan, that's spiritual. Really? Go look up the Greek words. I don't have time to do it now. You do a study on it, and it's using material words. There are certain words used that represent spiritual, but this is talking about when it says poverty, it says poor like a beggar. Rich, wealthy in material goods. Jesus was rich. And I know a lot of people have a hard time with that. And the problem is because we think of rich in terms of what the world thinks of rich. That means someone that's all blingy with Rolls Royces probably cheated to get there and they got big, huge yachts and things like that. And we say, Jesus wouldn't do that. No, you need to understand rich is not just about what you drive and where and where you live. It's about whether you can do everything that God's called you to do. And don't tell me if somebody can have a dinner party with 5,000 men as guests, plus their wives and their children, probably 20,000 people. What's the biggest dinner party you've ever had? And what limit do you go to where it becomes now bring your own? You know, if you have two or three people, okay, I'll supply. But we get to a certain number, you bring your own meat. Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? And Jesus has no problem. He has 5,000 men plus their wives, women, and children. And he says, where are we going to find food to feed these people? The disciples are like, really? Do you understand? 120 denarii is not even enough to feed them. That's one third of an annual salary. And Jesus says, you're not getting where I'm going. You're still looking at how we're going to do this. What do you have? Well, five loaves, two red. How much is that among so many people? Bring it here. Let me show you the kingdom. And he blesses it. And as he blesses it, they start handing it out. And as long as they hand it out, it keeps multiplying. Get a hold of that. Jesus, you know, you read sometimes in Bibles they got there, Jesus multiplies bread and fish. He didn't. All he did was bless it. And he broke it and put it in the hands of the disciples. And if they ate what they got, that was the end. That, the fish and bread's gone. 
But because they didn't eat it, they took and they broke and put it in the next person's hand. If they ate, end of miracle. But they didn't. They broke and gave to the next. And as long as everybody kept breaking and giving to the next one, as long as everybody was generous, the entire crowd got fed. And then he says, gather up the fragments. And there's 12 bastards left. Doesn't God know how many people are there? I mean, surely, you know, that's over the top. <laughs> yeah. I serve a God who's always more than enough. I said, I serve a God that's more than enough. How many you say amen? So, don't tell me he's poor when he's making gold come out of a fish's mouth. This man had everything he needed. So when did he become poor? Come and have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28, for those that know, is the chapter that lists the blessings and the... You go read it through. I don't have time to go there. But by the time we get to the verse I'm going to read, this is under the curse section. Just so that you're aware of it. Everybody say curse. He has the curse. Remember Jesus became the curse. The moment he was hung on that tree on the cross, he became the curse. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 28 verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. In other words, God expects you to recognize abundance, but you refuse to accept it. So now you're under the curse. What happens under the curse? Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. Listen to this. In hunger. In, when was Jesus ever hungry and thirsty? Where was Jesus hungry and thirsty? On the cross. Didn't he say, I thirst? You see, you think that was by accident. He was just like, oh, now I'm thirsty. That's not just a natural reaction. He's calling on scripture. He is becoming the curse. And under the curse, you thirst. In nakedness. When was Jesus ever naked? He was stripped naked. You see, we have these pictures of him hanging there with a loincloth. Uh-uh. He hung naked on that cross. Everything stripped off him. Listen to this. And in need of everything. He was totally stripped of everything he had. He was made that curse on the cross. Thirsty, naked, in need of everything. He was made poor. Why? So that you can step into the life that he was demonstrating. That you can have a dinner party with 20,000 people. If you need to feed a village, you can feed a village. If you can, oh, come on, get a hold of this. If you need provision, he said to his disciples, go out. Didn't I send you out without a purse? Did you lack anything? They had to say no. It wasn't saying, don't go without a purse, try and live poor. No, he was proving to them, you will find every need fully provided. Hallelujah. See, Jesus came to preach and demonstrate this rich lifestyle. You see, when I say rich, some people still think. Now, if you need 
a Rolls Royce for your ministry or you want it and you can have faith for all the services and the tires and you know if you've got that level of faith be blessed enjoy it but it's not about driving the big car it's about repairing cities it's about establishing the word of God in a way that we can redeem people from absolute poverty and it's to reach souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ I want to get hunger off their minds I want to get their lack off their minds and we can focus on Jesus say amen Now, Galatians 3 verse 7 says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. How you believe you're a son of Abraham? Well, look at verse 8. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel. The what? The gospel to Abraham before and saying, In you all nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. You blessed with believing Abraham. I said you blessed with believing Abraham. That means you blessed with the same way as Abraham. Now let me ask you, what was Abraham blessed with? Was it spiritual blessings? No, he wasn't born again. Your spiritual blessings came through Jesus. But yet says you can be blessed with the same way Abraham was. And Abraham, when he was blessed, was blessed with material goods. Come on. Was he born again? No. Look at Genesis 24 verse 35. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. See, the servant saw wealth and said, the Lord has blessed him. See, family God, let's renew our minds. This isn't about getting lots of stuff so we can have lots of stuff. It's about mission. God has so much he wants to do in this earth, and he's looking for a people that can believe this. Now, remember we saw that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, I know, and it is true, that by Jesus paying the price, we would receive the person of the Holy Spirit. That is true. But what's he talking about the promise of the Spirit? This is all in context of when God spoke to Abraham. What's the promise of the Spirit that he gave to Abraham? It says he preached the gospel. Now look at Romans 4 verse 13. The promise to Abraham is that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The heir of the world. Listen to it from the Passion Translation. God promised Abraham and his descendants that they would have an heir who would reign over the world. This royal promise was not fulfilled because Abraham kept all the law, but through the righteousness that was transferred by faith. Listen to the Living Bible. It is clear God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham, listen, and his descendants was not because Abraham obeyed God's law, but because he trusted God to keep his promise. Now look at Galatians 3 verse 29. If you are Christ's, let me see how many of you are Christ's. Bump your name and say, Vrach is there I am again. 
you are Christ's, say that's me, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? You inherit the world. I said you inherit the world. You have inherited the world. Not talking about the world system. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and He gave it to man. Why are we letting the world system, mammon, take what belongs to you? We need to possess our land, family. I said we need to possess our land. Why am I paying a landlord for him having property when I should be living in there and have my own property? Come on, have you say amen to that? I'm not going to pay a bank for insurance, uh, for, for interest. I want that property for myself. Have you say amen? Have you ready to inherit this kind of world? See, it's mission. Mission in mind. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So as I wrap up now, family, I really want us to renew our minds because sometimes people get nervous. They go, is that the prosperity message? I want to know which message you're preaching, the poverty one? <laughs> because here's the thing. It does, this does not silence the message of salvation. Pastor David mentioned Jesus is the door. But we got stuck at the door. We got to go in now. And possess the land. Why? Because we have a world to reach. Amen. And people say, oh, but the gospel's free. But so is water. Water's free, I promise you. Next time it rains, put a bucket outside. And you'll have a whole bunch of water. You don't have to pay a cent for it. You can go down the river and get even more water. You can go backwards and forwards and drink as much water as you want. But how many of you prefer having it in your house? How many of you pay a water bill? Are you paying for the liquid? No, it's free. I proved that. It's to get the water where you want it, when you want it, in the state you need to drink it in. That does cost money. To reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I've said it before, it's going to take more than pancake sales. We want to get jet planes going where we have entire crews going into cities to go and get that city saved and establish the Word of God, plant churches and plant Bible colleges. That's the kind of level we're going to live at. How many are ready for that? I'm asking how many of you are ready to live that? Hallelujah. So tonight, we're going to make a significant step in that direction. And taking that significant step means taking a change in mindset. I told you before, when Janine and I first got saved, we were in, in horrendous debt. We were struggling to get out of it. But I thank God that he taught me principles. And my, my very first message that I went to church on purpose, my pastor started teaching on tithing. Pastor Theo, the very first time, Janine is healed. And we thought, where do we go to church? And I said, well, let's just go where she got healed. That makes sense to me. And so we went back. And that Sunday, Pastor Theo gets up and he starts to teach on tithing. 
So I bumped Janine. I said, look at this. My first Sunday, I'm in church on purpose, and he wants my money. I know none of you thought that, but that's, you know, it was me. That was just in the beginning. And so I said, no, hang on now. I will not be conned. I want to hear this from the Word of God. And so, of course, you know how Pastor Theo teaches. I've learned from him. Uh, turned to, and he read the Scripture. I looked at him. Rah, is that in the Bible? I said, okay, well, that's one to you. Keep going. And, of course, he gave another sermon, mouth of two or three witnesses, and he taught it meticulously, line upon line, precept upon precept. Halfway through the message, I said to Janine, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we are starting today. We are tithing today. I went home, worked out, put my, worked out the finances, and I worked out what that tithe was, and I wrote the check, and I, I started sweating there. I thought, this is a car payment, man, and I can, I can use but I had such a conviction in my heart. I knew God had spoken. And I made that decision. And I came in that Sunday. And we had praise and worship. was going into tithes and offerings. And Pastor Smiley got up to, go, to, to, to do the offering message. And that's why I don't understand people who want, want short tithing messages. I'm sitting there. You need to preach, man. I need faith. This thing's burning in my hand. And i got to have a word to do this thing with. And he taught the word, and I got faith, and I was ready for it. And as the bucket came down, there was like a boss, uh, bag thing. with. And as it comes down, it was put into my hand. I, I, was, I was like, <laughs> and I'm looking at Janine. I, I, I felt like half an hour. Obviously, it wasn't. I'm thinking, do I, don't, do I? And I just had this in my heart. I thought, that's it. It's done. And as I passed it on, boom, I was set free. Why? Because I said, God... I could have paid a car, but now it's in your hand. There's nothing more for me to do. And I'm trusting you. And so we saw God starting to move in our lives. And very short, I'm not going to make it too long, is that we had, we came out of debt three times. God showed us, we delivered out of debt, we got right back into it. And I thought, praise God, we know what to do. Tithe, sow seed, and we got out of debt, we went back in third. By the second time, you know, first time, Stupid, you know, first time is ignorance, and then you get to stupid. Stupid's ignorant on purpose. So first time was ignorance. Second time, we're now bordering on stupid. <laughs> so I'm going, hang on, Lord, I'm missing something here. Because your word says, the winners of heaven are open. And you're not mocked. If you sow a seed, you're going to reap the same harvest. And he took me to Luke 6.38. As you purpose in your heart. The measure you use is how it's measured back to you. See, I was in a mentality, I thought tithing was huge for me, but you're not giving when you tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. You heard it said the other night that if, if you bring in an offering, if you haven't tithed, you're really just paying some of your tithe off. So you've got to first catch up on bringing the Lord's tithe in. And then the end of the month, that resets. Now you still owe half of the tithe, plus now there's the next month's tithe. And can start to get into some serious back pay. And just by the way, there's a 20% interest on that. Where it says if you want to redeem your tithe, add one-fifth to it. So we were trusting God, and I just didn't see that breakthrough. But he said, what measure are you using? What measure are you using? 
Because if you're using your measure, you can get stuck. You need to come over to my measure. So I said, okay, Lord, teach me. I'm willing to do that. I'm quick to learn. Help me. you never wrong. And so one day, Janine and I, we were at a conference in the Bahamas and with Dr. Miles Monroe. And a man of God stood up and he was teaching a message on God's provision. God wants you free and everything. We needed to be free. And I trust in God here. And he says, it gets to the time now we're going to receive the tithes and the offerings. And he says, why he's busy there, he says, the Lord just spoke to me. He says, there are 10 people here who are going to give $10,000 tonight. Now, $10,000, like my, my brain, you know. And this was 25 years ago, 21 years ago. So it's not even today's $10,000, $10,000 21 years ago. And, uh, and the exchange rate and everything. So I thought, so he says, will those 10 people please stand? And so they started standing. So I'm looking around to see what a $10,000 giver looks like because, you know, I, I want to I get there, you know, give as you purpose in your heart. So I go from 10 rand to 100 rand to 1,000 rand. I want to use the measure God uses. So I'm looking now, yeah, one day I will be there too. And while I'm looking around, I hear in my spirit, stand. I'm like, I bind you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> How <do> you know? <laughs> That's not the devil. The devil never tell you to give. Why? Because Jesus said, give, it'll be given back. The devil wants you to get in that territory. He's trying to get you to hold on to it. Isn't that right? That's not the devil speaking. I'm hearing, stand. I'm going to stand. My brain's looking at my bank account like $10,000, $10,000. I'm doing calculation. I don't even know where I'm going to get that. So I looked at Janine. I said, what's the Lord saying to you? She looks back at me like only a wife can. You know. I said, I know what? She says, you know you have to stand. Oh. Jesus, now I've got the Holy Spirit and the fourth person of the Godhead. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Janine. That's, that's, that's the Godhead in my life. <laughs> and she speaks. I hear God speaking. She says, you know you have to stand. So I thought, okay, well, then I must stand. And as I stood, the thing hits me like, now it's too late. Now you can't sit. Because everyone else is looking at you. Oh, another $10,000 giver. And I'm, still, and I'm starting to sweat because he says, hand out envelopes to, and put your name on it and everything. I'm like, ah, now I'm feeling hypocritical because where am I going to find $10,000? It's not like it's lying in my bank. We were in a mess. But now I'm standing saying, oh, we'll give $10,000. And the man of God says something profound which helped me. He said, you may not have it available now, but you know where it is. Oh, I do? And it struck me. If God says give $10,000, he must think I have $10,000. He'll never ask you to give something you don't have. But if it's not in my bank... It's in someone else's pocket, but it's mine. God thinks that's mine. 
So all I have to do now is call for it. Okay, so I have $10,000. And that was easy. I took the envelope and I wrote there. I said, I believe I have $10,000. That was my offering. And I put it in to the bag. That's it. I put it in. I've now given $10,000. Went back to the hotel. And as we walked into the room, you know how hotel doors slam behind you, with you as you walk in? So that Janine in, she goes in. As I'm walking, bang, as it slammed, it's like this fear hit me. And I started sweating. $10,000. Now I'm thinking, do I call the church? Can I ask my envelope back? You know, maybe one day in the future. I was caught up in the emotion of the moment. And you know, Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? It's like I heard the man of God say, he says, God loves a cheerful giver, but doesn't mean he hates one that's not. I, I'm like, I, I, I get that now. It's like, I'm not, I'm not in hilarity right now. It's like $10,000, man. That's a lot of money. But I had to renew my mind at that moment. I said, what happened in that moment you're standing in your chair? God, there is $10,000 and I have it. I'm looking for it. I'm calling on it. And I believe I've got it in Jesus' name. From that day on, I became a farmer, which is different to a thrower. Too many people throw seed. They throw seed. Go, go buy seed from pick and pay tomorrow. Go home and just throw it out there anywhere on your grass. How much are you going to get? How, buy tomato seed and just throw it on the grass. How many tomatoes are you going to get? Nothing. A farmer will tell you, this row are peas. This row, cabbage. This row, they farm with intent. I had intent. I needed to reap at $10,000. So before it's a seed, it's going to have to be harvest. From that day on, every seed I sowed was calling in that $10,000. Lord, I'm calling in. I'm calling it in. And I kept sowing. Janine, I kept believing, praying every day, farming, watering by praying in the Spirit. And it wasn't long after that we had $10,000. So I went into the bank. And now you have to do an electronic transfer. And the lady's busy typing it in. I want to do it. Yeah, sure. And they, da, 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 da. she thought, we're busy talking, chatting. So she says, who do we send it to? And I gave her the account. She looks and says, that's a church. I said, yes, ma'am. You're giving $10,000 to a church? Oh, man, she just cracked that open. I got opportunity for gospel. And I started ministering to her about the word and what God's called us to do, and we need this, and blah, blah, blah. So eventually she's finishing off, and she goes, I'm going to hit enter now. <laughs> I said, ma'am, would you mind if I did that? She said, sure. And she pushed the keyboard over. I said, in the name of Jesus. And I hit that thing. <laughs> Boom. Something broke that moment over Janine in my life, and we have never looked back. And we went to another dimension of seed sowing and harvest. So when people look at our lives, you can say what you want. But this is not through toil. This is through seed and harvest. We live this. We reap it. I don't, we have no lack. Because if I need to see a lack, we'll put a seed in. And I now, we just went, we, now I, I, I will not allow an offering to go past without giving. Let a man of God call an amount. You need to give that amount. I I stand up, I'll be the first one in front to go for it. Why? Because I want to see everything God has for us.
Janine and I, we've seen God provide for us in so many ways. And we stand at one door that we need provision on. But we've made a decision tonight. We are settling this here and now. And we're settling it with a significant seed. Every seed that is a memorial, God marks. You heard Pastor Danny talk about that woman who gave her last two coins. Came up as a memorial before God. Remember when Ananias got saved. Came up as a memorial. He's giving. It's Ananias. It's Cornelius. Big one. Cornelius. Cornelius' offering came up as a memorial. He has a Gentile paying for the temple. You're not allowed, I'm not allowed to go to church, but I'm going to still finance it. God says, get that man saved. You can't ignore a memorial seed. Solomon with a thousand burnt offerings. God shows up that night. Name it. What do you want? Family God, we're talking about going to another dimension here. Amen. How you came prepared to move there? You got your seed ready? How do you determine a significant seed? Well, I remember at one point there was a, we were trusting God to have our house paid off in full. And the man of God suggested, why don't you, if you're going to trust God to pay off the house, you understand the concept of first fruit is why don't you take one of your payments and make that the seed? That also, that's, that's heavy. You think, wow, that's a whole month of payment on the house. Janine and I do that. We say, this is it. This is our seed. Our home is paid in full. It's debt free. Amen. But again, I don't want to put, you listen to God. You give us your purpose in your heart. You know what you need to do. But understand that you reap what you sow. Amen. Like someone says, I'm believing God for a Mercedes Benz. And then they sow 10 rand. Is that a remote control? <laughs> See, your seed needs to represent your harvest. Now, if you only got 10 rand, do that. But make a decision. Amen. What is it? But now again, remember this. This is the key that I want you to get. How many of you have heard in your heart something that you want to give, but it's not in your bank account? Then you write it down. I believe I have. And then you sow seed to reap that in. Amen. Are you ready? Thank you, Jesus. Say this with me. Father, Father. say it with sincerity. Father, Father. Thank, you. thank you. You have given me a promise. And I'm ready to live the kingdom lifestyle. As a king, it requires me to be financially free. And I believe that. I refuse to allow debt and lack to hold me back. Today, in honor of God, I'm sowing my seed. I'm making a decision before heaven. And I'm saying, you are my provider in every need in our lives. And I receive it in the name of Jesus. Now lift your hands. Father, I pray now as a man of God that you have heard these prayers. 
And under the unction of the Holy Spirit, I come against every spirit of debt, lack, and poverty, and I break its hold, and I destroy its roots in the name of Jesus. Loose these people of God and get out and do not attach yourself to any other person. And I set this family free. We are financially free in the name of Jesus. You believe that? And give your Jesus praise tonight and celebrate your freedom. Amen. Thank you for listening to this session of Come Celebrate. We hope you enjoyed.